0: Hello, principals, and welcome to the NAESP Principal Podcast. My name is Rachel George, and I'm an educational leader in Oregon and an NAESP fellow.
1: And my name is Adam Welcome, I and you can tell Rachel's laughing because this is like our fifth take on the intro, and we're going to nail it on this intro, principals. I'm an educator in California and also a fellow with NAESP and my friend Rachel in the Innovation Center.
0: Yeah. So... Uh, This is like take five, and we're really excited to bring you all this NAESP Principal Podcast. So friends, so we can talk about real ideas with amazing principals like you all and to help make your leadership stronger and more innovative.
1: And tonight, we have a guest that is actually new to me, and I love meeting new people because I feel like I know a lot of leaders around the country, Andrew Marotta, high school principal in PA. For those of you that don't know what PA stands for, it's Pennsylvania I think kind of when you're on the East Coast and you're from Pennsylvania, I've always known you say P.A. He's the author of The School Leader, Surviving and Thriving, and a former NCAA basketball official, Andrew. Oh, also his own podcast as well, too, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Andrew, welcome to our podcast.
2: Adam, it's an honor to be with you. Rachel, uh, pumped up here. I know that the book just came out for you. She leads, so it's exciting to uh, be with both of you.
1: Thanks for having me. Man, we got books coming out all over the place. Hey, question number one, I'm intrigued with your NCAA basketball official job. What what did you learn? Like, what lessons did you learn as an official for NCAA that maybe has helped you in your current role as a school leader?
2: Adam, so much. You know, if you think about the two jobs, right? You're in the spotlight. You have to enforce the rules. You're on a big stage. You have to make quick decisions. And you get yelled at a lot. Right, because you're trying to do the right thing. So the jobs are unbelievably uh, comparable. Uh, this is my third year. I've stepped away and mentioned in books. I actually uh, just wrote my third book called "Tales from the Hardwood: Surviving and Thriving," because that's what it's all about. And um, but so many things. Uh, I just uh, the two jobs came together. Uh, standing tall, knowing how to enforce the rules when, when things were were rough. And getting used to people not being happy with your decisions, but having the ability to go forward. And when you do make a mistake, you got to get the next one right. You know what I mean? Uh, so when those games happen, when happening in school, you if you miss something, you got to get the next thing right. So a lot of things to uh, compare with those two roles.
0: Well, funny that you mentioned like people being upset with you or yelling at you. I am sure that there's so many of our listeners that have had that happen over the last two years with the pandemic. So what advice would you give to them? Maybe your top two tips about how to survive, how to thrive. What are those?
2: So much, Rachel, good question. So much is just listening, right? We think we have to fix everything. And actually, people just want to be heard. Uh, people you know, just want to be listened to. And, and when a coach is yelling about a call, you go over, you listen to them. Hey, coach, uh, you know, tell me what you saw. Uh, it's like that parent yelling on the phone. Uh, a lot of comparisons there, and uh, uh, but having that intense right, parents are passionate about their kids. They call up screaming and yelling. Not very different than a coach who's passionate about their team. You get close. You try to listen, and you know you keep you keep the conversation moving. You don't let them beat you up for for that long of a time. You know, mom and dad, we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving. So, but I would say listening is the best thing, um, and not overreacting it's passionate. People are are passionate about their kids, their communities. And, uh, you know, when they're up there, you kind of just listen and let them come down. I like the air out of the balloon theory is one of my mindsets. You
1: just let them, let them go. Yeah. You know, with that, I think what Rachel's comment was, is timely about parents in the last couple of years, there's been a lot happening, obviously. Um, everybody's probably a little bit heightened, Um, but even before that, I want to dig deeper. If, if, and when you had a parent yelling at you because I know I've talked to leaders more so in the last 2 years that I've had parents yelling at them. What are some strategies Andrew because I mean to compartmentalize on the hardwood is one thing with a coach and you're an official and then as a, as a principal as an as a as you know a public figure I feel like your role is you know a little bit different how, how would you advise an aspiring leader a new principal or a veteran leader if someone's in person, because I've had this on the phone, I've had this as a principal yelling at me, what, what advice would you give people?
2: Uh, a couple of things, Adam. Number one, uh, make, have people make an appointment, right? They get mad. They come running down in the school. You know, you tell your, you tell your secretaries, hey, Mr. Welcome might be calling. Uh, I know he wasn't happy. Certainly take the call. An appointment, right? You can't just rush into the emergency room and go see the doctor. You got to go through the steps. Uh, sometimes you have to get away from that, but when they're so high up, when they're so elevated, it's not going to go well. Right. So n- always tell your secretary, don't, don't say, well, Mrs. George is going to call back by three o'clock. No, she will get back to you. Right. So number one, make an appointment. I'm also a fan of the walk and talk. You go into that principal's office. Like you're in, you know, there, they're, they're a little uh, anxious about being in there. Right. I want to greet them at the door. Hey, Mr. Welcome. Have you have you been to the school before? Let's take a walk. And and I walked down the hallway with them right now. We're not facing each other at my desk, but we're walking together. And where's that energy going? The energy is going together. Right. If you don't know the parent, maybe you ask a couple of questions. Hey, are you local? You know, did you go to school here? Um, But if you know them, maybe you ask about their older sibling. Right. You ask something about how is everybody else doing? Uh, Just that walking and talking. And the last thing, don't sit behind the desk. I know COVID things are a little funny now, but move next to them. Move next to them. I got my notebook. I always got my notebook here. Take good notes. Repeat what they tell you, right? Oh, you think I'm terrible as a principal. Okay. Tell me more why you think I'm terrible as a principal, right? You get the person talking and then eventually you're going to get to what that point is. Um, but I think some of those strategies of, of you kind of setting the time schedule, and then greeting them, right, greeting yeah. them, and I like the walk and talk, they're not going to misbehave, or fly off the handle. If you're walking down the hallway, you just they're just not going to do it. So you, you're, there's some professionalism that you're forcing because of this uh, situation you're in.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm not a I'm not a a principal currently. I wish I could go back though and have a parent tell me they hated me and actually go. Yeah, tell me why. I've never had that. Like I want to see what people would say. Would they really have the gumption to say it though? You know, it's kind of like people emailing or texting. They're gonna say they're gonna say a lot more. Uh, uh, You know, a strategy that worked for me that I didn't even realize it, Andrew, uh, I'm a lifelong uh, San Francisco Giants and 49ers fan. And when they, I grew up going to Candlestick Park, it was a horrible stadium, like right by the water. It was always cold. Mistake by the lake. Yeah. They they tore the stadium down, but they sold the seats. I told my wife, I'm going to buy two seats. Uh, We used to go to about 20 Giants games a year. And I took those two seats and I put them in my office nice. at, at school. And I can't tell you how many parents would come in upset and they would go, are those from Candlestick? And I was like, yeah, go ahead, sit down. And it just kind of changed the vibe. It, it made them show, it showed them that I was a human being, you know, that I wasn't like this evil principal, like that was trying to make things happen. Uh, yeah, like those kinds of strategies are important. Thanks for going deeper. Um, You know, we know your story is something that's very near and dear to your heart, Andrew. Why might that be important right now, especially? And what are two easy things principals can start doing to support this work without being an overload?
2: Adam, great question. You know, it's not the information. It's the inspiration, right? You're going to, let's say you're doing a phone call home and are you just going to start with bam, 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 and listing information. Or you start with, you know, sharing some celebrations, some positive things going on, and maybe a a great story of something positive that happened at schools. Facts tell, stories sell. And we're not salespeople, but if you're not comfortable with your children's you know, educated, with the the principal, if the teachers aren't comfortable with you, it just creates a friction, it creates a lack of trust. Um, A couple important things about storytelling, Adam, I think is looking for stories, right? Principals wanna be good speakers. They wanna have good stuff at their faculty meetings. Everybody wants to have a a, a joke, something. Number one, look for stories. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, Rachel wrote with, with Dave Burgess. Adam, I think you wrote with Dave Burgess too. Dave Burgess talks about opening your RAS. That's not a curse word, but your RAS, your reticular activating system. And when you're looking for stories, You will start to find them. Right. And so that's one. And then two, practice them, right. Practice telling stories, practice your opening of your faculty meeting or your parent night, watch Ted talks, things like that. And I know we're not on video, but I'm a fan of props, right? I always got props on on whatever I'm talking about. You give a prop where, you know, you take the attention off yourself and you have the person. So this is my handheld old fashioned phone that I use when I talk to teachers about calling homes, right? And then I model for them on how to do it. So look for the stories. Uh, They're out there, books, resources, and then practice, practice telling them and use some props. So just a couple of things on storytelling.
0: I like it. So kind of looping back to that angry parent, I actually had one tell me that he didn't like me. So people do out there exist. Apparently (laughs) what really bugged him the most was my, posh really big smile and my perky attitude so friends you can people can hate you for a variety of reasons but just be you and you listen you smile and and he did come back a year later and apologize and said he liked my smile so sometimes it's out of emotion so you know thinking of emotion and thinking of uh what interviews sometimes make you percolate with feelings and tingles. Um, We're getting into interview season a little bit. And I hate to say that, but it's the end of January when we're recording this. This might come out in February, but it is the season, right? As soon as the new year starts, it's game on. I've also had a lot of people transition to new jobs in the middle of the year. So Andrew, what are your tips when you're thinking about, I'm going to have some spots that are going to be opening within my building. I might have some retirees. How do I attract and retain people, especially when we know the pipelines? are a little empty right now what do you think yeah,
2: yeah shortages you're hearing not as many people are going into it it's definitely something that we as education leaders are talking about um rachel i'm i'm a, I'm a fast guy i know i'm with a, a marathon runner here adam welcome but i like to be out in front right i want to get those postings out early i'm the guy constantly knocking on the superintendent's door hey can we get this posted can we get it posted can we get it posted And then we spoke about storytelling, right? And what is the story that your district is telling? And what is the story that you are telling? Are you putting short videos out about you and your school district? Are you on social media as an educator sharing the great stories of your district? Are you uh, um, putting creative, awesome looking posts out there? Does it think about a billboard, right? You're driving down the highway. What does it look like? I'm a big proponent of what it looks like. And, and, and get literally the posting out there. Is there a positive saying on the posting? Right? Is it going to get the attention of the people? That's all the pre-stuff. Then it's the interview itself, right? Uh Adam, your former principal, Rachel, your principal. Like, I never called my candidates before. I never I never called them, right? I used to delegate that. If there was 10 candidates, you think about how much time it is to set that up. But someone advised me, Andrew, do it. You get that pre-meeting with them on the phone. And I can have a little conversation. Again, listening to those little interactions. Is the person sound like they're inconvenienced that, that I'm calling them? Or just the, you know, the tone in their voice, those kinds of things. Um, I'm flexible with my schedule now, right? We set these things up. They're 30 minutes apart, right? Someone's like, ah, I'm at a wedding that day. You know, Five years ago, Andrew is saying, ah. Sorry, Rachel. Too bad. Now I'm saying, well, what can we do here? Do you want to? You want to join remote? Can you come uh, in the morning? Can you come at night? I'll meet you at night. Bring some pizza. You know, whatever it is. I'm more flexible there because I want to get the best candidate. And the last thing, Adam and Rachel, and I would say it's the biggest thing. We, I, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for all princes. We used to put these people in this such a tense thing right are they tough enough to work there we're going to make them sit in the waiting room we're going to grill them with questions they're going to walk in there's going to be 10 people there right i'm not a shy person i don't have anxiety but that causes anxiety for people i just like we talked about greeting that angry parent bam i have a student welcome committee i of no pun intended they go out and greet the person i ask them what kind of car they're driving so the kids know who's coming we have reserved parking for them. The kids go out and greet them. They bring them in. Would you like something to drink? Would you like some coffee? Put your stuff there. Do you need the restroom, right? They always need the restroom. And then the kids, take them on a 20-minute tour of the building. We give the kids some questions to ask. Hey, why do you want to come to our district? Do you know anything about our district? And kids are the best, right? We think we're good at interviewing. No, 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 no. It's the kids. They're like dogs. They can sniff them out. And the kids, you know, they do an interview. I, I've started bringing kids on the interview committee. It's not appropriate all the time, but I have kids on, on the committee as well. Afterwards, I have the kids who did the greeting meet with the, uh, uh, the interview committee. And most times their selections matched our selections. In that 15, 20 minutes that they walked around with them, and then us with all the big fancy schmancy questions about statistics and data and strategies and it, it it's it's about the connection with the person, right? Do they love kids? Do they want to be there? Um, I give the person my cell number. I want the person dying to work for me in my district versus hey, is this person good? I want them dying to work for us because maybe we don't hire them, but maybe next year. There's another opening, or maybe that teacher that we think was the number one pick stinks, and they don't cut it. Right now, what am I doing? And and I treated that person like they were the best person on earth. They're happy to hear from me. Not who's this jerk from Port Jervis, New York, who's now calling me? You didn't hire me the first time, right? So little things like that that make people feel special, make people feel wanted and welcome. Um, those are some things. I think the game has changed, right? Not can this person, are they good enough to work for us versus we're gonna want them dying to work for us? Uh, Cause what do they do if they don't get the job, right? They're telling people, oh my God, poor Jervis. They were so welcome. They was incredible. And Andrew Marotta gave me his cell phone after the thing. He talked to me for 30 minutes about why I wasn't his choice. All of those kinds of things. I think, again, tell your story of you and your school.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, Andrew. Uh, I mean, such good ideas. I worked with a district in, in Kansas, Ulysses, Kansas. They actually bought two little small homes a block from the school. It's a small area. So the whole, everybody, everyone's like right in the same building for student teachers and new teachers to live in either for free or like at a reduced rate for a couple of years just to get their feet off the ground. Hey, the game has changed. Like, how are you going to attract com- companies do this? How are you going to attract Uh, people. So, hey, I thought you had one book, Andrew, you got three books. Uh, (laughs) The links are not in the show notes, but go to Amazon, type in Andrew Marotta, M-A-R-O-T-T-A. The man's got three. Tell us about your most recent book or talk about whatever book you want to talk (laughs) about with the audience, Andrew.
2: Hey, Adam, I'm just trying to keep up with you, man. You got more books (laughs) coming out. I mean, Rachel got a thing tomorrow. I'm just trying to keep up with you guys. (laughs) Uh, no, thank you, Adam. Uh, you know, when I stepped away from officiating, right, one door closes, another open. I never considered myself a writer. I believe in the power of a single experience. Uh, Rachel and Adam and, and and a good friend of mine, Dr. Rob Gilbert, kind of prompt me uh, one time. He's like, Andrew, you're incredible. You know, you need to write a book. I presented in his class in his, at Montclair State. And uh, I never thought about, it. I was like, doc, I'm a, I'm a referee. I got little kids. I, I'm a principal. I, I don't have the time. He said, you don't need the time. He said, just write down what you do as a principal, just write the stuff down. People want to be good principals. Just write it down. Well, I got ADD. It's a superpower, not a disability. Uh, I didn't talk to text on the way home. I had 80 points. The next day at school, I always got my notepad with me. I always got it with me. I had, you know, 40 more, and in less than 24 hours, I had, you know, 100 plus of of the tips in the first book. Um, It was great. It was was a lot of fun. It opened a lot of doors for me, uh, and I decided I wanted to do more to try to help parents. Um, There is not a lot of resources out there for parents on how to, you know, be successful in this journey, right? So I wrote the partnership, Surviving and Thriving, which is also kind of in that theme of it ain't easy, right? It's a journey. It's not going to be perfect. So this is a guide to help parents. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that third book is coming out this spring. I'm excited. Hopefully it'll be out by the final four, but Tales from the Hardwood, Leadership Lessons from My Time on the Court. Um, You know, great stories, great mentors, huge stages, right? Adam, we make a mistake in school. Rachel, we do something wrong in school. A couple hundred people see it, right? They might go on social media, it'd be some chatter. You blow a call in a big game, you know, 20,000 people, you learn to have big shoulders. You learn uh, how to move forward after maybe a mistake. Uh, one of the things I learned, Adam, you asked about comparisons. I like the five SWs. I think it's a great strategy for all principles, for all leaders. Sometimes it will. Sometimes it won't. So what? Someone's waiting. Stick with it. Right? they just helped me. They just helped me, you know, during the day, they helped me with my ideas, right? We think we got great ideas and you go to school and you you share it and the faculty's throwing stuff at you, you know, hey, it didn't like it. It didn't, it didn't go out. So what? Someone's waiting, stick with it. So those are some things uh, uh, again from the refereeing that helped me out, but I love the book writing and uh, I'm working on the next one. You asked about interviewing Rachel, the interview, surviving and thriving. That's the next one coming out
0: there you go i like it so andrew how can people get in contact with you if they want to look you up on social media
2: uh yeah my website is andrewmarada.com i'm on twitter at andrewmarada21 uh those would probably be the best uh, ways to do it
0: fantastic well hey folks the game has changed if you haven't picked that up throughout this episode and andrew brings some phenomenal tips so thanks again for joining this episode of the naesp principal podcast Learn more about NAESP at NAESP.org, and we'll see you next time.